0: Now, I want to just encourage you here for a minute before we get into the word, because, you know, I'm reminded this morning about the story of the parable of the sower. And, you know, the the parable, you know, it goes sort of like this. I'm paraphrasing a little bit that, you know, the sower sows seed. So, in other words, he's preaching the word, it's going out, it's going everywhere. And, uh, you know, some of the seed falls on good ground. Some of the seed falls on stony ground. Some of the seed falls amongst thorns. Some of it just gets immediately eaten up. And I just want to remind you this morning that, you know, basically only one out of four got it. So my point to you this morning is don't be the one who missed it. You know, don't take this time and be sitting in your house and, and get distracted with everything going on. You know, I mean, enjoy your coffee, enjoy your muffin while you're watching us here. But I mean, dear Lord, don't be one who misses it. I believe we're in a real time right now of God wanting to do great things. I'm believing that we're in a time right now of a great awakening. You know, we're at about a 40-year period. If you go back and you look in history, like myself, I got saved and came to the Lord in 1985. And during those, you know, from about 80 to 85, 86 in there, there was, a, there was a stirring and a moving. That was the last time we saw something really happening. I know a lot of people got saved during that time, came to the Lord. But now it's been 35 years, going on 40 years since that happened. God always does things in 40s. And so I'm believing that through this whole situation we're doing, the virus and all this quarantining and all the you know, things that are taking place, I'm believing God's going to do a great thing. Now, it's going to have to take you and your faith to grab hold of it because you don't want to miss it. Don't be some of the seed that just got sowed on stony ground that birds of the air just came immediately and consumed it. Be one of those people that grab hold of the word, and then you're going to reap 30, 60, 80, 100 fold. That's the kind of people we want to be right now. Amen. Got the honkers in the parking lot all stirred up. I love it. Praise God. So the other thing I've, I've I've had to do is I, I took up uh, as a as a uh, saying in my own life now the Marine uh, saying improvise adapt and overcome you know that's really where we have to be right now we don't know what's going on from one week to the next we don't know what's going to happen with what the governor's saying about you know getting us all back to going and and uh, so we're in the meantime going to improvise we're going to adapt we're going to overcome amen so. Uh, I can't really tell you anything about church services right now at this point. It's looking like things are easing up, like we may go back to having services open, but we don't know when that's going to be. So we're going to keep everybody updated. In the meantime, man, make a friend, call your friends, send them handshakes, do whatever. Man, we've got to keep in contact because my prayer is, is when we get together back here as a church, we will be stronger, more powerful than we've ever been. As a church right now, I know that the people listening to the broadcast this morning, there's a lot of people listening to the broadcast. Uh, we've been, uh, numbers are extremely high of uh, uh, views. And so what, I'm, what what's, what's touching my heart is the church is a lot bigger than we realize it is. Because there's a lot more of you out there listening, but it's not going to be effective unless we're reaching out to others. But I believe that when we come back, and we continue to do live feeds, and we come back, we're going to fill this church up full of strong, powerful men and women of God. Those of you out there watching the broadcast are still going to be hooked in, connected. I'm, I, like I said, I believe we started 100 churches through this. I just believe Living Waters just, just, boom, went to 100 churches out there. Amen? So praise God. Keep in contact with your people. Keep talking to them. Keep you know, doing what you can, sending emails, texts, calling people, staying hooked up, staying connected. Um, so let's take up the offering this morning. I know this is a little strange, but I know that, you know, y'all have been sending in your offerings through electronic and just through the mail. And if you're out in the parking lot this morning, there'll be an usher around there. You can put your envelope, or he'll get you an envelope, or you can put your offering in the envelope and stick it in the bucket, whatever. But, uh, I'm just believing God's blessing us this financial time. You know, it's times like this when When things get crazy, that God's light really shines. And I want to encourage you a scripture here this morning, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew 6, 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You hear that? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I want to encourage you about something this morning. You know, we saw our stock market was the highest it had ever been. It was up there just, just, just gangbusters, just doing great things. And then all this happened, everything started falling, and it went down to as low as it was during the Depression. Well... Here's the perfect example of Matthew six nineteen. In heaven, what you've given; in heaven, what you've sowed; in heaven, where that you've laid up your treasures. It does not a fluctuating market like that. It isn't one day you invest in the kingdom of God and so you're up here, but oh well, wow, things are going bad and then it, it starts to come down, down, down. No, 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 no. In the kingdom of heaven, it only goes up. Just say to yourself that it only goes up. Amen. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We only go up. We don't go down. We go up. So when you've invested, when you've given to, to and, and your tithes and you've given your offerings and you've rescued children around the world and you've done all of this, you've invested in the kingdom of God. And because you invested in the kingdom of God, your wealth is secure. It's not going to fall. It's not going to decrease. It's only going to increase. And so, praise God. Then when you need it here on earth, when things start going down, God starts making justice, starts making opportunities for it's blessing you. That's what you've got to get your faith going for. So put your hand on your offer and let me pray over it. Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now for blessing the tithes and the offerings this morning. Lord, wherever, wherever they are, it doesn't make any difference. There's no distance in spirit. Bless them right now. Bless their hands and prosper their hands in everything they put it out to do. Lord, I pray right now and I ask that you make opportunities and ways where there seems to be no ways. People that are are looking like their jobs have ended or this or that. Lord, I just declare right now, you are El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. You begin to make ways, provide ways, give dreams, give ideas, give witty inventions to come to people so that they can go and they can prosper in everything that you called them to do. And so, Lord, I thank you for that, and I praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Praise God. Now, I wanna, I wanna go on off into the and and preach and get into the Word here, but I can't get off of last Sunday's message talking about the resurrection. And so, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be kind of mixing today's message with last week's message and and putting this all together, but. The title, I don't know that this is the title of the message, but this is my opening statement, is praying, learning to pray from the position of the throne. Learning to pray from the position of the throne. Today, I want to just endeavor to, by the anointing of God, to speak to you and open your eyes up into understanding what the resurrection did for you and what position it gave you in heaven in Christ. That's what I'm talking about this morning. Who you are in Christ. So, we may be stuck here physically on this earth, but spiritually speaking, we're in Christ, and Christ is at the right hand of the throne of God. So, positionally and spiritually, you're in Christ at the right hand of the throne of God. That's where you're praying from. That's where you're talking to God from. That's your position. That's what has been given to you. You went you literally went from a sinner headed to hell to asking Jesus to come into your life and boom, you're seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I know it's too good to believe. It is just too good to believe. It's like you, you think about it, you think, that, well, how can that be? Because on this earth here, you know, everything we do, we have to struggle and work for because that's the curse of the world. If you go back and you look in the garden and in and, and Genesis 3 and you look at that, it says that that the curse was that Adam was going to have to toil from the sweat of his brow and, and he was going to produce briars and thistles. Now, that ain't no good. That is no good. I don't care how you cut that. That ain't no good. You know? And so, that's the curse. That everything you're doing on this earth is going to be hard. It's going to be, it's going to be arduous. It's going to be difficult. According to what the Word of God says. But then all of a sudden... You know, on this earth, you struggle and you work and you get a little bit better and you work your way up and things get a little better and get a little easier and you get a little bit better. That's the way the world works. But the kingdom of God's not like that. One day you're a sinner headed to hell. And then the next moment when you've asked Jesus to come into your life, all your sins are forgiven. You've been made righteous and positionally you're in Christ at the right hand of the throne of God. Whoo, man. Can you imagine that? That's where you are this morning. You saints that are listening to me, you that are out there that you know that you're saved, you positionally are sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. So think about this for a second. If I'm God and I'm standing right here or I'm sitting in my throne and I'm, Jesus is on God's right hand, well, then Jesus would be here, right? So if I'm over here, then God's over here, God's on my left. And I'm here on God's right. And you, that's where you are. So how close are you to the Father? All you got to do is turn and look at him. If you're at the right hand of the throne of God, he's right there, the Father. When you're praying and you're going through whatever is going on, circumstances of life, when you turn to talk to God, he is here. That's why, that's why Jeremiah 23, 23 says, man, he's not the God that's far off. He's the God that's near because you're wherever you're where you're sitting but you know here's the but we let the devil talk us out of this we let the devil talk us out of understanding who we are in christ we let circumstances and situations begin to beat us down and then we get to where we're not really looking at our position anymore Because if we're looking at our position, then why are we worried about anything? Why are we worried about a virus? Why are we worried about finances? Why are we worried about anything if we are already made it to the throne? Worry, listen, I wrote these down this morning. Worry is using our earthly knowledge to try and change things. That's what worry is. Worry is just using our strength in trying to change things, and it's not really going right, and so it causes worry. It's us by the flesh trying to change things is what causes worry. Fear, fear is nothing more than looking with our natural eyes. That's all fear is. You know, we think think about fear. Fear comes about when we're looking at something, and we think it's going to be bad. That's what brings about fear. Just looking with our natural eyes, not looking with our spiritual eyes. One of the greatest stories in the Bible that I love so much, and I I say it all the time because it's something that impresses me, is Hezekiah. When he goes up to the wall and the whole Assyrian army has come against him, Then there's a million-man army standing out in front of, of Jerusalem, and he looks over the wall and he sees them like ants out there. Folks, that's something with your natural eyes looking at would cause fear in you. Because they've already defeated every nation around them. They've already conquered everybody around them. And then all of a sudden here, they're at your door. Now, that's something that naturally would cause fear. But Hezekiah went in the the temple and he started praying. He said, hey, God, there's an army outside. Looks really bad. I'm paraphrasing this, you know, so just give me this. He said, it looks really bad. Looks like they're just going to come and kill us all. They're going to tear us up. It looks bad, but, you know, that's not what you say. What do you say? And God says, man, I'm going to take care of it for you. And then boom, an angel went out there, killed 185,000 of them. The rest of them run off and it's all over with. You see, naturally we're looking at something and we we just use our natural resources. It's going to bring fear. Discontentment is believing our circumstances will never change based based on earthly facts. That's what brings discontentment is you think nothing's ever going to change. Your relationship with your spouse is never going to change. Your finances are never going to change. Nothing around you is ever going to change. All you're doing is looking at that from earthly facts, and that causes discouragement in our life. When we allow the devil to create a world in our mind where we'll never win, that's what I'm talking about. The enemy comes in and he creates a world in our mind, saying you're never going to win, you're never going to overcome, things are never going to change. That's what causes fear, discouragement, worry. Because you've allowed the enemy to paint a picture in your mind of this is what's going to happen. And you may stop and say, well, I don't, that's the it's always been. Well, it's time for a change. It's time for a change. It's time to see God move in our lives. You have taken out the factor of the supernatural. You have taken out of your equation the factor that God is God and God can move. I was a young man living on a ranch, going to be a cowboy. It's all I was going to do all my life. I was going to be a rancher all my life. But then one day, in one moment, in a flash in a second, God turned my whole life around. And I, came, and I, I became something totally different, a, a, a pastor for the Word of God. Everything changed in a moment and a second. My relationship with my wife, been married seven years, it wasn't good. And then all of a sudden, Jesus stepped into our life and our lives changed. And now, after 40 years, we're the best friends we could be. How does that happen? Because of the power of the resurrection in our lives. The power that God has available to us, but we're not using it. All we're doing is still trying to work and do everything in our earthly means. And folks, you're always going to fall short when you do it with your earthly means. You've got to get hold of the power of God. Amen? Give me a honk on that one. Now, here's where most Christians are. Here's where most Christians are. It's like I said, there's two parts to communion. You're taking the bread and you're taking taking the wine or the juice. Okay? And the first part that we, we get hold of. We as Christians, we know we're saved and our sins are forgiven. And when we die, we'll go to heaven. That's what we believe. That's where most Christians are. Most people that have made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior life, they will believe that. That when they sin or their sins are forgiven them. All right? And when they die, they're going to go to heaven. All right? Most people will believe that. They'll say that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But they don't believe God's going to do anything for them on earth. They don't believe God's going to do anything. You're just going to you just biding your time till you die and you get to heaven. And I tell you what, that is not what the gospel teaches. That is not what's contained within this Bible. You say, well, well, well Pastor, I, you know, I never have seen God really move. Well, I tell you this much: then you haven't ever really believed to God, because God is a God who's alive and well, a God who wants to move in our lives. What happens is we live in defeat in our minds. Till it gets in our heart and we believe it. Did you hear what I said? We live in defeat in our minds until it gets into our hearts and we believe it. We believe it's true. Then the next step is it begins to come out of our mouth. And then it manifests in the physical and it comes to pass. So what happens? That's the principle. The devil creates a new world in our mind, a world where everyone's against us, a world where it can never get any better, a world where we're never going to prosper, a world where where we're never going to have success, or or we're never going to be happy, or our wife is never going to be happy, or our kids are never going to love us, or our sickness is always going to plague us, or we develop that mind thinking. The enemy puts it in, he creates a world for us in our minds, and then it gets down into our hearts. And then once it's in our hearts, you know, we begin to believe it's true. It starts coming out of our mouth. And then this is what we start saying out of our mouth. And as we start saying it out of our mouth, then it creates it and manifests it into this world. In the book of Job, chapter 3, verse 25, Job said this thing. He said, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me. You know, everybody wants to take the book of Job and all, man, they get into all this kind of silly doctrine about God's killing everybody and sending all this stuff. But when I read this verse, it hit me. Job 3.25. Job was believing what was happening. He says, the thing that I greatly feared is going upon me. He was in great fear that this was going to happen to him until it happened. (laughs) Do you hear what I'm saying, church? He was already manifesting in his mind. He was already thinking, This is great, oh, this thing I have greatly feared has come upon me. He already got it in his mind, down in his heart, till he spoke it out of his mouth until it happened. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. I want to show you some steps here this morning that you've got to take. You have got to take the power of the resurrection. That Jesus bought for us. You've got to get it into your life so that this is not your story. Your story is the thing that I believed God for I have seen come to pass. Whoo, yeah. Ephesians chapter 2. Go to Ephesians 2, 5. I pray you're getting this this morning. I pray it's hitting you right between the eyes. My wife told me when I came to church, she said, we were riding in together. She said, be not, Robert, don't be too hard on everybody. So I'm listening to her. I'm listening to her this morning. i trying not to be. I could be harder, but I'm just trying to get. To, I'm trying to shake you out of any place that you may be that's a place of no good. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 says, even when we were dead in our trespasses. You hear that? We were dead in our trespasses. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us, listen, raised us up together. That means you came out of the grave with Jesus. When Jesus rose out of the grave, you were with him and made us, look at it here, sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wow. We were raised with Christ in the resurrection and we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Amen. Amen. Man, you could honk on that forever, couldn't you? I mean, my Lord, think about it. I mean, if you you had no other verse but that verse to live your whole life on, you could feast on it forever. Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Now listen to this. In Christ Jesus. Say it there. I'm in Christ Jesus. Say it again, man. Look at that person beside you saying, I'm in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us who believe. Okay. So what does it mean to be in Christ? Think about this. What does it mean to be in Christ? Now, one example I can try to get from the scriptures And I don't want to go to it because it's going to take too much time. But what about Noah and the ark? Okay, just think about this. Noah builds his giant boat. All the animals go in. Noah and his family goes in. The door is shut by the power of God. They're inside the ark. The rains come. The floods come. All the earth is destroyed except them in the ark. And they're protected in the ark. They're floating around in the water. They're just pitching in a bucket in the water and going this way and that way. But they're inside the ark. They're protected. That's like you being in Christ. They weren't in the boat. They weren't like in the wood of the boat. They weren't like, you know, part of the boat, but they were in the boat. The boat was around them. That's how you're like in Christ. Christ, you're not in like you went in, but you're in in the sense that Jesus has got you wrapped up. How about Moses in the basket? His mother takes him, puts him in the basket, floats him down the river, you know, uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds him, and then Moses is raised in the, in the palace of Egypt. Well, you know, wait a minute. Here we go. A kid that was supposed to die, a kid that was going to go to the grave because they were going to kill all the firstborn male children. Moses gets down there. He gets into Pharaoh's house. He is protected. He is in. He is caught up in. He's wrapped up in. How about Joseph? When he was in Egypt, you know, he went from the pit to Potiphar's house, to the prison, but then he ended up in the palace. How did that happen? Okay, you know, you go read the story, you look at everything, all of a sudden Joseph was a condemned man, but the next day he gets a ring from the king, the, the, the Pharaoh of Egypt, he gets a ring on there that says that he is the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. And he was a condemned man. So you could say he was in Right? Moses was in the basket. Noah was in the ark. Joseph was in the palace. You're in Christ. All right? Now let's look at this. How do we live in Christ? I've got about five things here. I'm going to run through this morning. How do we live in Christ? What does it mean to be in Christ? Well, the first one is Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Colossians 3, 1. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, right? That's you. You were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. For you died and your life is hidden in God. Okay. So the first thing is you got to change your thinking Quit putting and thinking all about the things of this world and looking. Now, I'm not saying you quit thinking about how to drive your car, close your eyes and just hold on to the wheel. No, I'm not talking about that kind of craziness. I'm talking about, listen, if you would just stop the amount of thoughts that you have worrying and spend that time thinking and reading the scriptures and what the Bible says about you, you just took just that time. You'd see your whole life change. Folks, why are we spending time worrying when we ought to be spending time meditating on God's word? Why are we spending time saying, oh, the virus is going to kill us all. The world's going to go to pieces. We're going to be, you know, having to shoot deer and eat jerky. Why don't we keep our, why don't we tell you, no, God, it says that a thousand will fall at my side, 10,000 in my right hand, but it's not going to fall nigh me. That's what your word says. Why aren't we saying greater is he that's in me than he it's in this world? Why aren't we saying that everything that we put our hands to prospers? See, you're never going to feel the presence of God. You're never going to hear God speaking to you. You're never going to see the power of God moving in your life if your thinking doesn't get on heaven and off of the things of this earth. Now, I've heard that old saying, and you know, Oh, he's so heavenly minded, he's of no earthly good. I'm not talking about walking around in the flowers. I'm not talking tiptoeing through the tulips here. I'm talking about just take the time that you spend worrying and fretting and put it on the things of the gospel and watch how your whole life changes. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking for any more time. How about that? As your pastor, I'm not asking any more time of you. Well, Pastor, he just preaching over there. I can't even do nothing. I want to watch my TV program, and I ain't got time to sit around here reading no Bible and do all this stuff. Okay, just give me the time that you worry. That's all I'm looking for. It's the time that you worry. Add up the amount of time in a day that you worry. The amount of time, hey, how about the, the amount of time you complain? How about the amount of time you complain to your wife or your wife complains to you, whatever you complain to the co-workers? How about just the amount of time you sit? Well, I can't, this one, I don't guess this is good. That you used to sit at the coffee shop griping about everything. Just give me that time. And turn it around and focus it on the word of God and watch how your whole life will change. Watch how you'll begin to see God move. Watch how when you wake up in the morning and say, Woo, man, the good hand of God is upon me and I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And just watch what happens? The second thing here is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The second thing here is that you have to learn to live a life of faith. Now, you can't learn to live a life of faith unless you've done the first thing, get your mind off of the things of this earth and on the things of heaven. Because unless you have the word or know the word, then you're not going to have any place to put your faith. You don't have any basis for your faith, all right? And you don't want to base your faith on what mama said or what daddy said or what the preacher said. You want to base your faith on what the word of God says. So you've got to learn to live by faith, but you've got to get the word in you in order to have faith because faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay. So he says, Paul says, I was crucified with Christ. All right. Most of what I said at the first of this, most people believe that their sins are forgiven. Okay. And you're going to go to heaven. You've been crucified with Christ. But then the second part says, now the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So there's the second part. You've got to get this resurrection power in your life, and you've got to get it flowing. But you can't get it flowing unless you've got some faith. And you can't have faith unless you've got the Word. Amen? Okay. Third one. Third one. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul prays here for the church at Ephesus, says, "...to the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ..." Here we go. "...when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places." far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that was named, not only in this age, but that which is to come, and put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, hear what it says here. Again, the resurrection, right? Raised him from the dead. He seated him at right hand in heavenly places above all principalities and powers, above all principalities and powers, dominion and every name that is named. I believe that covers it all. I mean, I believe when Jesus arose from the dead, you could say there's nothing that has authority or power over him. He defeated the devil. Remember, I gave you Revelations 1 last week. He's got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He's got it. He's got above all principalities, all powers, all rules. He's in charge. Listen to me. Jesus has the power. The devil doesn't. Quit giving him power. Quit giving him power. Quit letting him create a world in your mind and giving him power. Stop it. Stop running around wringing your hands and thinking, and and fear and, and doubt and unbelief and giving the devil power. All power's in Jesus, and you're in Jesus with him. Now, amen. Got the honkers going. Now, here's the next one you have to keep your eyes on the target. You're never going to hit anything unless you keep your eyes on the target. Right now, today, you have got to get the target is Jesus is in charge. There is nothing that can overcome his power. He is in charge. He has all power, all dominion. But that has to be transferred from heaven to manifest here on this earth, and it can only be done through faith. Faith is a conduit for which it goes from heaven to earth, comes down and again, uh, heaven to earth, heaven to earth, heaven to earth. It's through faith. But I'm backing myself up here. But if your mind's set and created this world, uh uh-uh, and your mouth has got everything coming out wrong and all that, that's not faith. You're not going to see the power of God moving in your life. You got to get control of that. You've got to get your eyes focused on the target that all power and dominion is in the palm of the Father, is in Jesus, and you're in Jesus. So, folks, you've got the power. You're in charge. You just got to learn how to use it. Amen? Okay. Now, the next one here. John 17, 20. Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus is praying in the garden. And he prays this. He's talking to his heavenly father. He said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, I think that's us. That's all of us. That they may be one as you, father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Man, this is amazing. Because you think about it, Jesus says, just Father, as, as you were in me, so I'm in you. Now, Jesus wasn't like, you don't, you gotta think of this picture about what does it mean to be in Christ or in the Father? I mean, Jesus wasn't like doubly big because there was two people in him, right? Let's get out of that kind of thinking. But what does it mean? God was in him. Oh, does that mean like there's a mystical wisp of of floating cloud that was inside of Jesus? What it means is simply this: Jesus said, I don't do anything that I never saw my father do. In other words, Jesus as a son had learned from the father. I remember when, when I was a young boy and I was having problems. They were trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Took me to San Antonio to a, a special pediatrician. And when it was all over with, she told my mother, I, I don't know. I, I, all I can tell you is I've never met your husband, but I know who he's like. Because he, this little boy is just like his father what he said about me. In other words, I'd been around my father, I idolized my father, I, I loved my father, and I took on the nature of my father, but I wasn't my father, I was Robert. So what it's saying here is you're going to develop the mind of Christ is the next thing you got to do here. You're going to develop and become one with Christ. That means you have to start thinking like Jesus thinks. Let me ask you a question. Was Jesus ever scared of the devil? Was Jesus? Was there anything He's, gonna, he's got 5,000 people at a meeting, and they need to be fed. Did he just start saying, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? We don't have enough ham sandwiches to feed everybody. Oh, my God, how are we going to get this worked out? Oh, this is horrible. How are we going to get this? Great? No, he just said, what do we have? And then he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to him, and it multiplied. In other words, Jesus wasn't concerned. He was asleep on the boat, in the back, on the pillow. When the storm came, the disciples are freaking out, and they're bailing water out and said, ah, we're going to drown, we're going to drown. And Jesus, he's asleep. He didn't have any problems. He didn't worry about nothing. Why? Because he knew he was like his father. He was one with the father. That means he thought like the father thought. He acted like the father thought. He did what the father thought. Now, see, here's where we get all messed up. Because what we try to do is we try to take the religious image of Jesus, you know, long robe, long hair, beard, holding a lamb, and then we think we got to be just like that. Okay? I've always thought it was funny that all the pictures... I always thought... (laughs) Okay, when he went to church, there was always pictures of Jesus with long hair and a beard. But then they were always telling me I need to get my hair cut cuz you had long hair it didn't that wasn't that wasn't a righteous thing but i was always saying look at the picture there's jesus he got long hair and you are telling me i shouldn't have long hair and whatever you know and so this, this this doesn't all jive here okay so what i'm saying is a lot of times we get stereotypes or we get imagery that we say it has to be like that but what jesus wants of you is to allow him to come into your life and work in your life and you be who you are who you cre- he created you to be we're all different come on We're all unique. We're all unique individuals. And I can't be Joel Osteen. And Joel Osteen isn't going to be me. But I want to be godly like my heavenly father. I want to be like Jesus in who I am in my personality. Come on. I don't want a church full of everybody that looks exactly like me, man. That'd be an ugly church. I don't want that. I want a church full of diversity, a church full of uniqueness, a church full of somebody likes to wear pink and somebody likes to wear white and somebody's going to wear black and somebody's going to wear green. I like a church for you being who you are in Christ. Oh, man. You starting to get to say, well, I don't know, Jesus, what should we do? Have you stopped and asked the Lord what to do? Or have you just freaked out? And letting your mind run. Have you just sat down and put your bills out before the Lord and said, Okay, Lord, uh, I've acquired these bills and, and, and my job's not, it's not bringing in what it should be. And, and so what would you have me to do, Lord, with this? You see, that's getting one mind. That's getting him involved in everything. That's developing a mind of Christ in you. The Word on the inside of you working, and then now you're letting it come about, and you're letting it develop your life because the Word is working in you. You see, I, if I was going to look for Jesus, remember the game show? I don't remember what the name of that thing was where, you know, uh, they were trying to find out who truly was the person, you know. They, 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 everybody said they were the same person, and then it was like a game show when you ask, got to ask questions. Yeah, will the real so-and-so please stand up? And if you were going to do that to Jesus, you know, we wouldn't know what he looked like exactly, right? But you would have to start asking questions that lined up with the word to see if his answers lined up with the word. And then you would be able to pick Jesus out. Well, that's the way it is with you. Let the real you stand up, the real Jesus on the inside of you because you're in Christ. Well, you've, you, you started to be like him. You started to think like him. When a problem arises, you're like, ah, oh, Lord, you're bigger than that. We can take care of this. We, you're going to give me an answer to this. When you lose something, immediately you're saying, Holy Ghost, where is this? What do, what, what do I need to do? How do I need to find this? Yeah, that's, that's having the mind of Christ. That's developing a mind of Christ. That's becoming one, one with Jesus. That's living in Christ and being one with him. Now, the last one here, I want to read it. Colossians 2, verse 11. I already kind of got off on this point a while ago, but I want to run it back. Colossians 2, verse 11. It says, in him, everybody say again, in him. Everybody say, I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. You were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwritten requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, and having made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Now, you've got to understand something. It says that Jesus made a public spectacle of the devil. He triumphed over him and made a public spectacle of him. You know, that could have only taken place in Hell and Sheol below. But he did it. He got hold of the devil. I don't know how it went, happened. I don't know exactly how it all looked. But I'm just telling you, he got hold of the devil. And he drug him out in the middle of the street and made a public spectacle out of him. said, I'm in charge. I'm the one in charge. So the last point is simply this. Don't give the devil place. He's already been defeated. Do not give the devil place. Why are you you letting these things come upon you when he has no power and authority to do it? You're seated at the right hand of God in Christ. Why are you letting the devil defeat you? Why are you letting the thoughts overcome you? Why are you letting the, the one who has been disarmed, drug out in the middle of the street, and made a public spectacle of, Have victory over your life. You got to wake up. You got to see what's going on. When you're tormented in your mind, it's demonic. Listen to me. It's the devil trying to create a world in your head. You need to tell it to shut up. You sit at the right hand of the throne of God. Push it all off. It's not real. Hear me. Come on, hear me now. Quit giving place to the devil. Don't give place to fear. You know, I want to tell you something. I've, I, I'm hearing everything right now, okay? I, 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 I literally am hearing just about everything. I'm hearing everything from this is the end of the world to this is, this is the devil trying to kill us all to this is God moving and there's about to be a great revival to it's, uh, it's the beginning of the zombie apocalypse, okay? I'm hearing it all. I mean, from one end of the spectrum to the other. But you know what I keep saying to myself? It doesn't really make me any difference how it turns out because I already know the one who's got the victory. I'm ready today if the heavens roll back to go to heaven. I'm ready today. If, if I got to walk through the tribulation, I'm ready to go through it. It don't make no difference. I'm going to be victorious. God is going to make a way. If he has to turn rocks into loaves of bread, my God will do it. And we need to get the confidence and we need to get it down in our heart. But you're never going to have the victory. As long as the devil, you've given him place in your mind. He will defeat you every time. He will trip you up and you will find yourself right back around in the same place. Flat on your face, believing and worrying and, 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 and fear and doubt and unbelief, thinking that the devil's going to have victory. And I'm telling you what, the devil is defeated. My scripture says right there, Colossians chapter two, verse 11 through 15, that he was made a public spectacle of. So I'm not going to give him any place. End of story. End of story. I remember one time years and years ago, uh, I was uh, when I was still working as a carpenter and one of the guys on the job got to got to argue with me about aliens, Did I believe there was aliens, and, and he's trying all these things, he's trying to get me to get over there, and he was just irritating me, is all he was doing, He was just irritating me, he didn't believe in aliens anymore, and I did, but he was just pulling out stuff, and trying to get me, you know, off, and tripped up on the word, and so finally, I just got mad, and, and I said to him, I said, let me tell you what, all I can tell you is if there's aliens, and little green men, or little whatever, and they land on this earth, and they come down their little spaceship, when they step out, step out they are subject to my God. And I'll tell them about Jesus and ask them if they won't get born again. And so then that kind of just ended the story right there, and they, quit, they left me alone. But I'm telling you, that's the way it has to be. No matter what's coming into your life, no matter how big it is, if it's cancer, and the doctor says, you have cancer, and that cancer demon is thrown up, I want to tell you something. Right then, you have to stop and say, no, my Jesus has all authority and power. Every authority and power is in principality and dominion and name, it's his name. Look what it says there. It says in every name that is named. I mean, that's if you invent one. It's still under the name. Jesus has got it covered. So listen to me. You've got to take these principles and you've got to start using that resurrection power in your life. And right now is not a time to walk in fear. Now is a time to be full of faith. I'm believing for it to be a great awakening. I'm believing for God to just continue to do miracles. I'm believing for every day that there's something so miraculous happens that it just blows everybody's socks off and the whole world turns to Jesus. That's what I'm believing. I'm believing, listen to me, that the world's going up, that we're going up. We're not going down. God is going to prosper you. God is going to bless you. But you've got to get into it. I can't carry you. You've got to get up and you've got to get hold of everything. And you've got to get these principles down in your life. And you've got to start walking towards the kingdom of God with me, okay? I can't carry everybody. I can't keep dragging everybody along and trying to get you to come on, come on, come on. Listen, you've got to get these principles in your life, and you've got to get hold of it. Now, I want to do two things right now before this broadcast ends. The first thing is I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you right now. If you're listening to this broadcast, if you're out there and you're not sure you're right with God, you're not sure your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you say, what is the Lamb's Book of Life? I didn't know there was a Lamb's Book of Life. I didn't, what are we talking about? Well, then Lamb's Book of Life is what's the book that's sitting in heaven. That when you have given your life to Jesus, your name goes down in it. And what I'm saying to you today, if you're out there and you're not sure you're right with God, you're not sure your sins have been forgiven, you're not sure you are in Christ, I want to pray for you. And what I want to ask you to do is you're just watching this broadcast. If you're in a home with somebody and they're they're there with you and, and you don't know if they're saved or not, just turn to them right now and say, are you right with God? Just look at them and say, are you right with God? I want to pray with you. If you're listening and it's just you there and you know you're not right with God, I want to pray with you. So right now I ask you to just bow your heart to the Lord And pray this prayer with me. Say it out loud. Say, Jesus, right now, I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I believe that you gave your life for me on the cross. I believe you arose from the dead for me. I thank you right now my sins are forgiven. I thank you right now my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus, I want to live for you every day of my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for being my Savior. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer right there, I want to tell you something. God right now is touching you. You just close your eyes and keep thanking him for your salvation. You just close your eyes up there and lift up your hands and just keep worshiping him and thanking him for all he's done for you. Now, for those of you watching and you know you're saved, you know you're right with God, but maybe you fall into that category. Of Yes, you know your sins are forgiven. Yes, you know if you die, you're going to go to heaven. But you're not walking in the resurrection power. Those of you that I want to pray for right now. I want to pray for you right now. So I want you just to stretch up your heart to heaven. And I want to and open it up and let me pray for you. Father, right now in Jesus name, I pray for all of those out there. All of us that have just been living a life and we want to see your power moving in our lives. And we're not walking in the fullness of the resurrection power. Father, I pray right now that every yoke be broken off of them. Every yoke of doubt and unbelief. Every place where we have given the devil place. Everywhere, Lord, that we have given the devil place in our lives. And allowed him to have any supremacy over us. We've walked in fear. We've walked in doubt. We've walked in worry. And right now, Lord, we repent of that. And we ask you right now to forgive us, forgive us, Lord, for walking in doubt and unbelief and worry. And Lord, I ask right now that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened and we know the hope of the calling. We know who you are, Jesus, and we know who we are in you. I pray that the yokes are broken off and that we can walk by faith and live the life that we have here on this earth by faith in you, Jesus. That, Lord, right now, you begin to make the Bible so alive to us, make the word that's been sown in our hearts so alive to us that we see how it applies to everything. And so, Lord, I thank you for it. I praise you for it, Lord. I declare this is a new day. This is a great awakening in our lives that we will never, ever give the devil place again, Lord. And we thank you for it. And we praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, church, I just want to thank you. I thank you for all your love, your support. I thank you for sending us text, emails, encouraging us. And I just want you to know, I'm believing for great things for you. Although I may be absent in body, I am present in the Lord. I am present by spirit in your lives. And I want you to know I love you. We just pray for you all the time. We're going to be through this thing and on the other side quicker than you think. Hey, God bless you, and thanks for tuning in.